Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Well, I was doing okay. I was feeling pretty good until you criticized my voice before we got on. You're like, I don't want you to sound terrible. You sound horrible. You sound clearer than I've ever heard you right yeah, now. You're lying to me right now. <laughs> right before we, right before I hit record, Jeff was like, uh, "Do you have like coffee or something you could take a sip of? Because your your throat, your voice does not sound good." You're welcome to everyone listening. They're all saying thank you, Jeff. Listen, thanks for intervening. I had a, so I had a rough night, and we were just talking about that. And I had my first sleepwalking episode in quite some time. And so that was fun. Yeah, that is not fun, actually. No, it's not. I Well, they can be funny in hindsight, but in the moment, they can be pretty unsettling. Mm-hmm. And then they can be unsettling when you think about what could have happened um, and what is possible. So uh, I don't know if any of our listeners have experience with sleepwalking, but anybody who doesn't have experience with sleepwalking finds it either they if they've never seen it they think it's not real a lot of times i've noticed when when you talk about it or if you've seen it or heard about it you think it's funny but anybody who actually sleepwalks knows there's part of it that's kind of funny but a lot of it that's not because it's very scary to know that your body your body is is moving and deciding like your brain has decided to check out your brain your brain's asleep and your body's like going to go do this thing now i'm going to go i'm going to go make a sandwich i'm going to go save the world i'm going to go dismantle a bomb those are some of the things that i in my <laughs> like the, the things that you came up with well those are things that i've done <laughs> in my sleepwalking i protected my wife from the assassin cat our oh assassin cat i mean there's all kinds of things um and let me tell you my cat did not find any of my sleepwalking funny not any of it i bet it i bet no he was he was quite disturbed by it He's no longer with us. May he rest in peace. Not because of the sleep. I was going to say, the way you no. set that up there. No, but I'm, he had a couple of close calls. I'm not going to lie. So do you remember afterwards for mm-hmm. you yeah. why? Or did someone have to remind you that this happened and then? No, I know. Okay. I fully know. It all makes sense to me completely. And then you have this moment where you're coming out of it and going, I don't think that my cat just planted a bomb in the lampshade. But... I'm pretty sure he did. Wait a second. That sounds weird. And then like there's this moment where you're kind of mm. and then and then, and then there's a voice inside you, maybe you should just lie down. <laughs> that's what I did last night. It was not with the cat, but um I I just told myself, I think you just need to lie down and then we'll see if this is still a big Ooh, that deal. That was good. Yeah, well, I have a lot of experience, but it just has been a long time. So anyway, so that all led to me feeling a little like I'm 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 a little uh exhausted this morning my voice has been gone because i'm back in the swing of coaching and so my voice is always a little weaker during that time as i whispering does that whispering yeah that's what i always do during coaching (laughs) hey guys if you could just not pass it to the other team i would really appreciate it that's how i sound go Um, team and so when i'm doing that then i don't sound great but then i'm just i gotta be honest with you when you greet me with you sound terrible should you can you drink some coffee or something it just doesn't Can build my fix, confidence, Jeff. Fix it doesn't. Your voice, it doesn't build my confidence. I, it makes me sad. <laughs> I'm here for you. Now Jay. I feel. Now my confidence is down. So now I guess we should talk about. So what's what's better when my confidence is down and I'm feeling sad than to talk about the sermon and like multiple things? I'm going. Oh gosh, I wonder if people are going to be upset about that because I could have said that better. But 
This, be, this is going to be awesome. This Everyone be listening now is like, this is going to be, be either really ever. funny or I'm turning it off. Well, they, unfortunately, they're going to, by the time they realize it's not funny or not helpful, it'll be too late. Don't give away sure. the ending, Jay. Oh. Well, we don't even know the ending. Yeah, that's true. This is in real we time. Don't. It is. Okay. So uh, this weekend. We continued God's Family on Mission. Yeah. This series of, of three, really, it's like a, the way I've received it, Jay, and, and it's been encouraging to me, it's a reminder of what we are doing as a family, who we are, and then what we're doing. Yeah. together and I, I've I have found it very encouraging well good that's the nicest thing you've said to me today there and we've go. had staff meeting today so break it down and build a, you up that's right that's what Jeff does <laughs> just little little jabs I'm like oh but no I thought that was really good yeah so we talked about identity you know who we are in Christ and that that's the root of everything that everything that we do that God cares more about who we are than what we do because what we do flows out of who we are and then, uh, and then we talked about culture, and how important culture is in, um, and how often in churches we just we we think in terms of methods. We just want to know what are the methods and what are the results of those methods. And by results, we typically mean numbers. And so we want to just say, well, we want to focus more on on who we are in Christ, and then what is the kingdom, you know, are we cultivating a kingdom culture that gives us good soil that you can then actually plant seeds, you know, and, and methods of, of planting um, matter at that point, because you're planting it in a good identity and good cultural soil. And so we finally got to that part. And then how do we, how do we know that it's even effective? And so we've talked about this before, but, um, but Sunday, I kind of took a little different angle on it of just, you know, how do we arrive at these, um, at, at like what we actually do? And yeah. So when you say methods, that's what you're saying is the way we accomplish the thing. Is that yeah. what you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I talked a lot about programs obviously, and just how do you, um, you know, what's, and, and looking at Ephesians four and understanding what ministry actually is because, and here's the thing, like staff, Church staff staffs are the guiltiest of this. Like it, it can sound like I'm saying, well, to the, to people, but we often interpret um, that Ephesians four that that God gave these, you know, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers um, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and and we have like this this tension that often happens historically in the church where half of the people, the, the people in the congregation think that it's the staff's job to do the ministry, but, but scripture is clear that no, it's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But then the other side is church staffs often define the work of the ministry as the programs that they create. And so you have to know both like, well, what does it mean? What's the definition of ministry? What is actually the actual ministry that um, and who is called to do it? What is that? What does that equipping look like? The equipping of the saints. And so I really wanted to. What I was trying to do was reframe the conversation of of re-identifying or reframing the question of what is ministry, what qualifies as ministry. And Paul really simply communicates it as like it's it's the building up of the body. It's the being being the body, and. Uh, when we go into the Sermon on the Mount here in a couple of weeks, talking about being salt and light, but it's it's being the manifestation of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God on earth. 
on, on display for people so that we can tell people about this king and this kingdom. And that's really the work of the ministry. It's not it's not pulling off these programs, it's not building buildings, it's not like none of that is the actual work of the ministry. Some of those things can be used as tools to accomplish that, but but they are just they are subservient to the actual work of the ministry. And it's the actual work of the ministry of being the body of Christ in the world that that is what we are called to equip people for. Which is it's a subtle point, but it's really important because it's so easy for us. I think especially when you've been involved with the church for a while, yeah, the emphasis can be so much on the equipping and the equippers. So the, the people who are teaching or the, like you said, the paid staff that um, we can lose sight that the whole point of, of us who do this as our daily life, our, our calling vocation is to help and empower and equip the body to do the work of ministry in their everyday life. And that's not going to usually be happening in a church building. It's actually happening out there in the world. And getting that out of order, like it makes things so lopsided. And I think sometimes you can see it when you have, um, I don't know if the word famous is the word, but like famous Christian teachers who end up being the the focal point, the highlight, and uh, really those people are meant to be equippers. That, and I think a lot of them, uh, the healthy ones, would say that's what they are doing. Right. Um, but they are not meant to be the focal point or the goal of any of this. They, they're they're pushing. They're meant to be pushing us out, encouraging us outward into the world that Jesus has us in to do the work of ministry all around us. Yeah, I think that's I, really important. It is, and and I. Even now, I'm thinking this often happens. This is one of the reasons why I don't like recording the podcast about the past sermon because I'll think, oh, I should have said it like that. That that the equipping part, what we do in the church body, like in the like in the building or in our programs or whatever, is is meant to equip people. It's not the actual ministry. It's the equipping people for the ministry, and the ministry is the building up of the body of Christ, growing into maturity in Christ. Um, building itself up in love, uh, proclaiming the good news. Like those, that stuff that is the work of the ministry, everything that we're doing is meant to equip people for that work. And what often happens, like you were saying with the, the teachers or classes that we put on or whatever, is we think that that's the ministry and that we are just recipients of that ministry. And that's kind of the end of it. And it's never meant to do that. It's meant to equip you. So even if you're doing a Bible study on Ephesians, for example, it could be a great class, but it's meant to equip you to live that out. If it doesn't do that, if it's just like, well, here's 10 interesting facts about Ephesians and here's, you know, whatever. And, oh, I just learned a lot about the book of Ephesians. Well, then it's it's not really, that's not what the role of teacher is, Um it's not what it's supposed to do. And so uh, I definitely try to get us away from like more thinking of those things as, as any classes or studies that we offer, that they are um, equipping things. But but then there also are ones that are, are you're ministering to people. Um, like, for example, we have people in our church who are leading, you know, they might lead a little Bible study with non-believers who that they're just curious about who Jesus is, about the Bible. That's the work of the ministry. We want to equip people to do that. So um, 
so I think kind of defining that so that we understand what we're talking about, because otherwise, you know, I mentioned the sermon that we kind of create this codependence, you know, this codependency where I need people, I need people to sign up for my programs and the people need me to put on programs and we each need each other and we're actually not doing any of the work of the ministry. Yeah. Like the cooking class was right. one of the examples where uh, people really enjoy the cooking class. But if you only eat at the end of the cooking class and then you don't eat again, uh, you're, you're not getting the point of why we have a cooking class, for example. I thought that was a helpful illustration and funny to think about people doing that. Well, and people do that. Like I was thinking about it. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they, they were really popular for a while, like a date night and you go and, oh, go cook together. Those, that's often the way we think of Bible studies and that kind of thing where that in, in that setting, that's not like a community college cooking class. There's a cooking type of cooking class where you're going to actually, you're trying to learn how to cook. And then there are the cooking classes that are really for entertainment more like they're, they're going to cook with some interesting ingredients. They're going to walk, but you're, you're really more about hanging out with the people around your table and whatever. And, and I think that that's often what happens in the church is we put on a study or, you know, a program or a class or, or anything like that. And people kind of go into it with the idea of, yeah, I'm not actually going to use any of this out there, but I just, I just like to be together and I like to, you know, hang out. And, and I just want to say like, that's just not, that's just not what we're going to be about. And, um, and I think, I'm just so encouraged by our church that I don't think they really want that. I mean, they, they want, they want to be equipped. And, um, that's what I was trying to say too, about how encouraging it is to serve in a church body where I feel like that is what the majority of people want is they want to be equipped because they find themselves constantly in situations like out in the community and out away from the church building where they are in ministry where they are ministering to people. They are sharing the gospel with non-believers. They are trying to encourage believers or serve families in the community or any of those things. And so I wanted to, I, I really wanted to make sure that was clear. And then I gave examples and that's where I thought like some of the clear, some of the clarifying could be is I was trying to give the examples to show how then we, how we let our identity and the culture we're trying to cultivate inform how we do things. And so, um, you know, one that I used was offering and passing the plates. And I felt like I should clarify that I'm not saying that churches who pass the plate are bad or evil or that it's like clearly unbiblical to pass the plates. The, the, the Bible doesn't talk at all about how to collect offering in the New Testament church. Like not at all. In the Old Testament, you definitely had that. But in the New Testament, you don't have any instructions on how to do that. And so um, just that it was done. So the only instructions like you get is that I mean, I suppose you could say that people should bring their offering and lay it at um, the pastor's feet. Well, that would feel kind of weird in our culture, right? If, if yeah, you went into a church yes. and you saw people like taking cash up and laying it, like I would, if I ever walked into a church that was doing that, I would turn around and walk out. Like I would be like, nope, I'm out. Um, he picks it up and puts it in his pocket. And yeah, that wouldn't really yeah. work, work today. It just is, you know, but that's what they did in the early church. And mm -hmm. so what that is, it's such an example of how, we don't know, you know, you just, you try to be faithful in how you're doing it and, and that you do those things in faith. And so if a church passes an offering plate with a clear conscience and in faith, in faith 
to they're just trying to help their people worship and 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 practice generosity great that's awesome um but at our church we we don't do that and so i had what i thought was a funny illustration and i was trying to just be kind of winsomely playful about it um, as to why we why we don't pass the plate but um but I just I wanted to make sure that nobody I just want to at least clarify that I'm not saying that churches should never pass a plate or that that means that they're unbiblical. It's not it's not a biblical issue. It's a conscience and culture issue and con- contextual issue. Yeah, and it surely wasn't a judgment on the way other people do it. Right? No, that's that's not the point. No, not at all. So um, what else do we have that got brought up? Oh, the school thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I so I talked a little bit about public schools and uh, that was fun. And I you're just like I wish I wish we were on YouTube right now because they just see your facial expressions. Can you can you verbalize for people what your facial expression was right there, Jeff? It's one of anticipation, and I'm smiling at Jay to to encourage him to elaborate. Okay. And his voice is sounding so clear. I was also thinking that. Oh, you were. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> your voice sounds great today. Um, yeah, so I, I mentioned public schools and just the idea that we exist as a church family to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what I was really trying to drive at was that we have people, we have saints in basically every nook and cranny of our communities. And, and those, they are serving and loving people and being salt and light and sharing the gospel and bringing the presence of Christ into some really dark places. Like we have law enforcement officers, we have corrections officers, we you know we have people in the healthcare industry, we have people um, in you know factories and in that whole culture. Uh, we have we have people who work in um, rec- like addiction recovery homes. We have like in all these different places, and. I just, for whatever reason, I mean, I I thought about this before, but I I hear a lot of times just all this, um, just grumbling and kind of uh, complaining about the public school system and and what an evil, what an evil place it is, like any public school, and there is darkness in the public schools, but there's there's darkness everywhere, like mm-hmm. there's there's darkness. I mean, literally everywhere, and there certainly we have police officers, and they deal with darkness every day. But we don't, we don't ask them to pull out of that. Like they are serving there, and and so I just think of all the teachers that we have and administrators who are um, are serving in those places and are interacting with families that we normally wouldn't be able to interact with, but because they're there, our, the body of Christ is actually there, present in those places. And, um, and that we should just be really mindful as a church family to be, just be careful about um, speaking poorly about places where we have saints who are serving, right? Like just dismissing a whole... Um, you know, branch of whatever, like, and, and dismissing that when we have, we have our own, like, people that are the body of Christ being represented, you know, there and are serving. And, and, you know, just think about if you were in that situation and if you hear people constantly bashing the place that you're working and serving, that's kind of discouraging in a church family. Like, you instead, why not pray for 
those teachers and let them know that you are um, that you're supportive of them and that you want that you are um, that you're behind them and that you want to pray for them and um, and thanking them for being in those places, just like we would with. I mean, I, I feel we do that really well, like with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Like I I've thanked so the law enforcement people that are in our church. Like I try to thank them a lot for putting themselves in places that most people don't want to go and they put themselves in harm's way to, to protect and serve. And, um, and so, yeah, is there, is there brokenness in our law enforcement systems? Yes. But we also have saints in there who are just trying to serve their community. And I'm really glad that they're there. Um, same way with politics. You know, I, like I'm glad when we have saints that are in the political realm and trying to serve the community for the good of the city. Um, and so we just want to be careful that we're not just tearing those down. And that's not to say that other, you know, it, that wasn't a comment at all about private school or homeschooling or anything like that. That's a totally different issue on, you know, Christian kids and what should Christian parents do with their kids. And which, by the way, spoiler, it's a that's a decision between the parents and God. You know, like we're all accountable for our kids and every kid is different and every situation is different. And so I think we just need to have a lot of grace for one another and you know, homeschool families aren't running away from the world and public school families aren't giving over to the world and private school families aren't like, I, whatever, I don't know what the, what the stereotype is of the private school, but um, there is a way to live faithfully in all of those contexts. And there's a way to live unfaithfully like there in, in all of those contexts. So um, we just need to have a lot of grace for one another um, and, and, and be praying for one another and building one another up rather than just, spending all of our time criticizing where somebody is trying to bring light. It's so interesting when you, when you shift that, that conversation to the focus of prayer, to me, it changes what it's about. So, because as soon as you, as soon as we do that with each other, so about any topic, we immediately are saying, God is here with us in this conversation. He is part of this and he has aims and ends in mind. And we know that his aims and ends are always what is good and what is right and what is just and what will bring life. And I think the more we default to, I'm going to pray for this person in this situation. I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray with them. And I need them to pray for me in my situation as well. Mm. Um, The healthier our conversations about all these topics will be. And I think the healthier our brother and sisterhood will be because we're really supporting each other. We're encouraging one another. We assume that there are challenges in any of the situations. So in like the schooling example, in any one of those situations, like you said, there is going to be brokenness and there's going to be challenge. And we need to assume that. Um, To run into the challenge doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved in it, whatever it is. It means by the grace of God, we get through it together. And I, I don't know, when you said that about prayer, I think that just brings clarity to so much of, of all of these things and all of the different places that God might call us. Yeah. He's with us in this. Yeah. And you want to know, yeah, you just want to know that the body of Christ is with you in it. And I was just thinking about that, how, I don't know if we're unique as a church or not, but I know that even among, if you think about the elders, when you think about education, um, all of those facets are represented. We have homeschool 
we have public school, we have private school, all mm-hmm. represented in the elders. We have teachers, like we have a homeschool program that meets out of our uh, out of our church facility. Um, we have public school teachers, and we have pi- private school teachers. Mm-hmm. We volunteer in all three of those areas um, because as long as we have saints in there, we want to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry in those places, and we want to do everything we can to enhance and encourage and help the ministry that they're doing. And so, um, you know, are we always perfect in that? No. And do we learn things along the way? Yes. But um, I'm I'm really encouraged by um, just the church family as a whole that I, I think I, I, I was speaking more towards just the national narrative right now that's going on. And I just think, man, if I'm a public school teacher who loves Jesus and is every day putting myself in a really hard place um, or challenging place situation to love kids and to serve the community, then I, I just want, I would want to know that people are praying for me. I would want to know, I would want, I would want them to know that we're with them. And and I want that everywhere. I mean, I, I it was a few weeks ago I talked to somebody who, you know, works in a factory and they were they were encouraged to know like what they do matters. And that and that's really the big thing about this is that once once you start thinking in terms of equipping people for ministry, it just changes how we function as a church. Once you take into account like the the giving thing and saying talking about family and like well if you view this as your family well then it it changes it's you know giving to your local church body is not the same thing as buying girl scout cookies or even supporting a, a missionary somewhere it's not the same thing um by all means buy girl scout cookies they're delicious and by all means even even greater than that is supporting a missionary um but but taking care of your church family is is like a core kind of responsibility. It's a joyful responsibility. And so that shapes how we function. And I think the whole equipping people for ministry is, um, is when we understand that we are a sent people and we understand that we are sent together and that we are meant to bless one another in, in that ministry and in serving, um, then, then it changes what we, how we feel like we should be gathering, and so it's one of the reasons why when we do classes or we're going to be um, here doing another discipleship lab, we do it for like four or six weeks. Like they don't go on forever because they're meant to be kind of catalyst to we want to equip you to, and then go and do this, and then we want to encourage you along the way. That's kind of our hope. We do the conferences because they're meant to be a catalyst uh, for doing the work of the ministry, um, and we just once we kind of grasp that, then it starts to make sense, you know, why we don't have a million different things going on. It really, it strikes me that, you know, a related, a related topic to this clarity about the work of ministry and what we're doing is what is, what is it to be a disciple of Jesus? And when you follow Jesus as a disciple, a student learner, apprentice, what is it that you learn from him to do? Yeah. And when you have that clear in your mind, it does add to this, to the richness of what you're saying that, you know, clearly when you sign up for a cooking class from someone who's a really good chef, you learn from that person how to do that, right. how to cook. You're not thinking you're learning French from that person, right? Right. Yeah. When you go to a piano teacher, you're not thinking you're doing it for like 
becoming an auto mechanic. Right. You want to learn piano. Well, when we follow Jesus, it's important that we have in our mind what it is that his end is, what his right. aim is. Yeah. And what skill do we learn from him? Well, it's the work of ministry. It's how do you live in the kingdom of God in your everyday life and live out what God calls you into every day as if Jesus were you. Like living your life, though, not his life, your life, in his power, with his character traits, with the kingdom flowing through you into the world. To me, like at least, that helps me at least when I'm yeah. thinking like that, that the goal of following Jesus isn't to get really good at doing the church activities in the right. church. Right. right. And when you say it that way, it's absurd. You realize it, but it's just easy to slip into that. It is because I think that's more measurable. It's safer. And I think there's a lot of reasons, but, but the other is way more fun. It is. You think about thinking about Jesus sending out the 72 and how, when they, they get sent and he tells them, you know, take, take no food for your knapsack. Like you're He's putting them out in a pretty scary, vulnerable position. And I'm pretty sure that the disciples were not super gung ho about it. Like they wanted to hang out with Jesus. They were loving the show, like loving watching him do all these things. But to be sent out with that was probably really terrifying. It was much safer to just think of it as, well, Jesus is doing all of the ministry and we're just going to, we basically just get to be identified with him, which there is a beauty in that. But then he equips them and sends them out. But then when they come back, they were blown away by what had happened. And they got to experience all of that because in faith they went out and they did, they obeyed Jesus. They did what he called them to do. And they experienced just incredible things. Like they saw healings, they saw demons, you know, exercise, they saw people respond to the good news of the kingdom as they preached it. Like there's incredible things that happen. And, and even then Jesus, of course, famously says, we think that's great. And then he kind of, he kind of tops them. And then he says like, you, you, you're rejoicing in that, but you should rejoice that your names are written in the book of life that, that we are even, and that, that right there is such a great picture of what we see over and over. When people get a vision for this, they catch a vision for this and they go into their workplace and they realize that they are sent and that they feel like their church family is behind them and with them. And then they go, and is it scary? Yes, it's scary. But then when their coworker comes to church with them or they get to see their coworker get baptized or they get to baptize their neighbor or their, you know, whatever, what often happens is they're really excited about that ministry that happened, but they're even more excited about the intimacy they feel with Christ, right? Like it's, it's in those moments that you realize, oh, wow, you are with me. You are here you really are working in the world around me. And that is so incredible. And we're, um, we're seeing so many of those stories and that that's the work, that's the real work of the ministry. And so when we're pushing towards that, we're just saying like, it's better. It's just, it's just way better. And, uh, even yesterday I, I, in the last, like since that sermon, I've had a couple of um, texts and calls from people who are, who are doing this. And now they're asking the church, like they're saying, how, like, how can the church um, help me help them? And I love that because 
that's where it's really fun, you know, to be in the church family, to be able to say, well, hey, we have some resources that could help, or we can encourage you with what next steps to take. And, and, um, or we can help you get connected with somebody else who might be able to, um, that might be able to kind of take the baton from here and that it might make more sense, all all these things. And it's so exciting to get those calls and those texts. And it really deepens our relationships with each other in a really satisfying way because with the gifts that God gave us, each one of us, we get to use to help each other in that work of ministry as well. I love that you highlighted that. Um, It's true. When we're together in something, things can happen that couldn't if it was just one of us trying to do it. And it's not just a pragmatic thing. It's actually a, a reality that God built it that way because we're to be functioning as a body together, the different parts, doing doing what that part is supposed to do. Yeah. And and I don't know if people grasp, I mean, I don't know what your experience has been of there's kind of a sweet autopilot that happens almost with, with the functioning of the body. Like there's this picture of that when the body is working properly then it builds itself up in love like it just because it's contagious you know i one of the ways that i think about that is with singing on sunday morning and how when the body is functioning properly people are singing and they're singing loudly and when that happens it's contagious and the more people that sing the more people that sing <laughs> like yeah, it's the just enthusiasm it's, spreads yeah it spreads, it spreads. And, and you see it as when people start buying into and they're, they're encouraging one another and they realize that they have a role to play on Sunday. And that's a really important role to be present in the, in the body and to worship God and that that ministers to people around them and to, you know, or, or to introduce yourself or to reach out to somebody to encourage them with a word of prayer all of those things, once you start doing that, that becomes contagious because once you've received ministry like that, you say, oh, that's what's normal. And it's so much of that when you're talking about that goes back to the culture idea of it's really redefining what is normal. Hmm. You know, family cultures are um, you, you get into rhythms and it's just this is what's this is what's normal here. And um, and you see that in all kinds of other areas. You know, I talked about the sports culture and how. Um, basically the liturgy of sports where you just know, well, this is what happens next. And, you know, it's halftime. So everyone goes up and, you know, gets concessions or, you know, goes to the bathroom, Um, which by the way, I took Silas to a Bucks game on Sunday night. I think there are two to three times more women's restrooms than men's. Oh, really? I'd never seen anything like it. There's all these men's, like all the men's restrooms all had big lines and none of the women's did. Wow. So, so I haven't note. been in there yet. I'm excited to do that. It's great. It's great. And you also have to order from an app, though. No one takes order. Like, you can't. I I could not find it. Um, any of the concessions you had to, like, they weren't even taking orders. So, wow. Um, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but that's what you just never know. You <laughs> never know the kind of nuggets you're going to get if you if you hang in there. All the way to the end, um, right? But, uh, but, yeah, that hopefully what people got from the series as a whole is – um, kind of the why that we function the way that we do and buying into the the idea of cultivating a culture. Um, you know, I mentioned that about, I didn't, I didn't, I left this out, but evangelism, like we don't have an evangelism program, but we have a culture of inviting people in 
and telling people about Jesus. And so we've seen many people come to Christ, even without an evangelism program. It's just, it's cultivating a culture of, it's normal that we have people here every week who don't know Jesus. We want them here. We want them to be able to hear. We want them to be able to observe other Christians worshiping Jesus. And we've said before that I don't, I think the most powerful witness to a non-believer who comes here on Sunday is the genuine worship of other believers. More so than them understanding everything or being able to take three points home from the sermon that they could apply to their life. Like more than any of that, I think seeing their coworkers, their neighbors, their kids' teachers, that like coming up to the communion table and, you know, or or raising their hands in worship or singing aloud or, you know, the, all those different things that they're watching them do, that is a more powerful testimony than um, than just like three three steps to have a happier day today. Yeah, to hundred percent agree with that. It's genuine worship of Jesus, and I think when a person is is seeking Him or curious about Him, that is what they need to see and experience. And yeah, I love that. That's part of um, the whole participating in worship together. Mm-hmm. That 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 it's really important that we're all in it. And that's just one other reason for it is those who are looking in and observing. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's, that's probably the most encouraging thing coming out of this. And now that we kind of turn our attention to the Sermon on the Mount next week, and we'll talk a lot more about that kingdom culture and, and how the kingdom works and how the kingdom is both here now and not yet. It's still yet to come fully. Um, I'm really excited about that. But if there's one takeaway from me from these past three weeks, it's really been just how how encouraging it is to see how we've just grown so much as a church family in this, that um, that people are really buying into just worshiping together as a family and, you know, on Sundays and, and throughout the week and I mean, it's, it's happening. Like the people, like people don't even realize how, how powerful their ministry is to other people and what, um, how God is using that to bring people to him. I, I, in the last, last several months, um, it, it isn't even close that when you look at the catalyst for people coming to faith, um, either coming to our church or then coming to faith in Christ has not been a sermon. It has not been, you know, it, it hasn't been any of the things that we typically think of in the church. It's been the testimony of people that they know, that people who care about them, people who pray, people who, um, you know, we had Mark gave that great testimony the other week um, with the baptism of that it was seeing Christ in his friend that made him think, I want that. So, um, and so I've just been so encouraged by like our, you know, the people, uh, everyone that's come recently has talked about how welcome they feel because there's just a culture. And what I love about it is, it's not just the, the formal greeters. We, we have greeters and our greeters are fantastic. Um, I just love them. I love how they interact with people, uh, when they come in, but it, but then everybody else, there's a culture of welcoming. And so they just, even if you're not a greeter, you realize like, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this person. And, um, so that's really encouraging. And, 
um, and then getting out in the community and hearing testimonies about uh, about people. I just heard about that again of somebody who, um, someone in our church who has a family member who works with somebody else in our church, and they were talking about what a powerful testimony this person was just how they were at work, right? And so that person, because of how they were, how they were salt and light and the manifestation, the incarnation of the body of Christ in their workplace helped this person share the gospel with their family member. Like hopefully that makes That's, sense. That's yeah. the, the triangle there of like, if we do that every day, like you, the interactions that we have with people, you are, you end up being a blessing and, and helping you may be helping one of your brothers and sisters share the gospel with the person that you just interacted with. Um, and so all of those things are just so incredible. And, and, and that kind of gets summed up with the, the whole like small to big thing in the, in the culture of just believing that these small steps of faith matter. Right. And believing that God does really incredible things through that. And so, I don't know, it's been, it's been good. It's encouraging, man. I'm, I am very excited to start the Sermon on the Mount this Sunday. I think it's going to be a really, I mean, rich and meaningful thing to take, to slow down and really focus on this, this really important teaching from Jesus together and work through it. Like I love that you mentioned the discipleship labs that are, that are coming, I think to work through it actually, um, so that it's something that's just in us. We understand, we know our, our Lord's teaching on it be awesome it's gonna be great i'm really excited about it and hope i don't mess it up and uh you're gonna you've gotten two weeks i've got this week and then you've got next week yeah um so yeah we're gonna be talking about the beatitudes this sunday and uh i'm put it's it's both really exciting and a little intimidating because you're we're talking now about one of the one of the central um passages of scripture like these three chapters are just central to the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And so it's, it is going to be really exciting. And so as we go through that, if you have questions, let us know because um, there's no way that we can exhaustively cover all the things that are in this, but um, we would love to maybe if, if there's anything, there's a lot of things in the Sermon on the Mount that will challenge and push on us. And so they definitely could use uh, just more conversation. And so if you run into that, you're listening to a sermon on Sunday, um, write down a question, send it to us on email, mention it to us on, on Sunday. Don't worry. As you've noticed, when we use questions, we don't, we don't have to, we're not going to use your name and, and um, tell everybody like who, who it was that asked that question. And there are no dumb questions. Like I, I've yet to have anybody ask a question that I thought like, well, why would you ask that? I mean, it's, um, there's just so much depth in all of this and it's just good to, to know what would be helpful because that's our hope with the podcast is just that it's helpful to our church family, um, helpful to you in pursuing Christ. So um, please let us know how we can uh, help you and, and equip you to do the work of the ministry. So thank you for listening. Until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace.